2012 all over again. Do it all over again. How many of you would probably do something differently? Of course. I would have started Christmas shopping a lot earlier, but I was under the impression the world was going to come to an end. So, But seriously, a lot of us would probably do something differently. And the reason that is is because we fail. All of us do. We make mistakes. Sometimes you give life your best shot, but you still come up short. Sometimes you kids, you study for that big test. Man, you study hard for it, but you still fail. Or you do your job well. I mean, you really put the time into it, but you still lose it. Or sometimes you work really hard on trying to make a really strong marriage, but it still seems like it's going absolutely nowhere. And the fact is, you're going to fail quite often in life. Because nobody's perfect, except my grandbaby Annabelle. (laughs) She is. But besides her, nobody's perfect, because we all make mistakes. You're going to have setbacks. You are. You are going to have problems. And as we begin this new year, 2013, I want us to look at how to make a fresh start. I mean, what does the Bible actually say about making a fresh start? So regardless of whatever's happened in 2012, how do I get a fresh start? In Isaiah 40, verse 3, the Lord says, Forget about what has happened before. Do not think about the past. Instead, look at the new things I'm going to do. So God says, Forget about what's happened. Forget about last year. The past is the past. It's over. The book's closed on that one. God is far more interested in your future than he is in your past. And because we're the ones that always think that, that God is all fixated on our past. We think that all he wants to do is remind us of all the things that we've screwed up, of all the things that we've done wrong. He's interested in your future. It says it right there in Scripture. Forget about the past. Don't think about it. Look at the new things that I'm going to do. So today I want us to look at how to make a fresh start in 2013. And I'm going to use a formula. A formula for starting over. It's called an acrostic. And it's going to be the word start. So regardless of whatever failures you've had, whether it's financial, maybe relational failures, maybe a moral failure, I mean, maybe you really messed up. Maybe you really blew it last year. Here is how you start over. The S is stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. You know, if I want to start over, if I want to start fresh, I've got to stop making excuses for my failures. 
I've got to stop blaming other people. I've got to stop using rationalizations. Because if you notice, we can rationalize almost anything. Even my son, Ethan. Such a sweet-looking boy. He's a firm believer that water alone makes for a good bath. I mean, I have to actually smell his hair to make sure that he's washed. One time I'm watching a game, and he's in the bathtub, and he yells to me, Dad, is this going to be one of them times you smell my hair? (laughs) Another time he got out of the tub, he came into the living room. His hair kind of looked like he had rubbed bacon on it. And I said, did you use shampoo on your hair? He said, no, you didn't come and smell it. So the point is, rationalizations. You've got to stop blaming other people. We've got to stop seeing ourselves as the victims. Let me be clear on this. Other people can hurt you. Without a doubt. Other people can harm you. Other people can scar you. But nobody can ruin your life without your permission. You have a choice. And that is you can choose how you're going to respond to those hurts in life. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. So he gets a fresh start. So it says the starting point to starting over is to be honest and just face up to your problems. Because every single person in here today, every one of us has problems. But most of the problems in my life, most of my failures, I've caused. And I think that's really hard for most of us to admit because we always like to pass the buck. I mean, we live in a society, we live in a, in a culture that just loves to shift the blame to something else. We blame our environment. We blame the economy. We blame the government. We blame our parents, our spouses, the stars. I mean, it's always someone else's fault, isn't it? Everything is attributed to something else. But God says most of your failures you have caused. Now I'm just going to quickly give you three of the most common failures, most common reasons for failure in our lives. A quick three before I continue with this acrostic. But I just want you to remember these so hopefully they can be avoided in 2013. The number one reason we fail in life is that we don't plan ahead. Number one reason we don't plan ahead. We make decisions and we don't look at the consequences of those. I mean, the Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 7, a sensible man watches for problems and prepares to meet them, 
But the fool never looks ahead and suffers the consequences. I mean, was it raining when Noah started building the ark? No. He planned ahead. Jesus often talked about the importance of planning. I mean, there's many stories in the Bible that talk about it. He said there's a guy who goes out and he starts to build a tower. But he can't finish it because he doesn't have enough money. Because he forgot to plan. Tells a story about a king who went out to battle, but he lost. Because he didn't count his soldiers. He didn't plan ahead. You know, sometimes something seems so great at the moment and you only to realize later on what a huge mistake that was. I mean, there's consequences to every action and a lot of times we end up saying, oh, I didn't plan on that happening. Did you know that 40% 40% of divorced couples end up regretting not doing more things to try to make that marriage work. I mean, they actually look back in life and they regret the decision that they made. They found that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. This isn't Hollywood. They didn't plan on certain things happening. It's the old cliche, if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. Here's the second reason we fail. is because we don't listen to others. We don't listen to others. So we don't listen to good advice when it's offered. I mean, the Bible says in Proverbs 15, plans fail without good advice. Man, you need to get all the advice you can, but you need to get good advice. You need to get good advice. Not your buddy Joe, who ran off with that young girl from work, or that co-worker that stays out every night and closes the bars down and just wants somebody there with them. Man, you need advice from Christ-centered friends who have your best interest at heart. You know, I went the last two years on the K-Love Christian Music Cruise. Went the last two years on this cruise. And the first year I took my daughter, Courtney. Man, we had a lot of fun. I had breakfast with some of the biggest names in Christian music. I would be sitting there eating. We would be talking about songs. I'd be telling them the songs that I do of theirs. I got to hang out with Casting Crowns, who's one of the biggest names in Christian music. I got to worship with them one morning. I mean, it was a music lover's dream. Well, last year, I decided that I was going to take my girlfriend. And I thought, you know, what's the big deal? We're honoring God in all aspects of this relationship. We'd have a blast on this cruise. I mean, what's the big deal, really? But I thought, you know, before I place her name on the guest list, I'm going to seek advice from three people that I trust. One being Chris Bunch, our pastor, and I already knew what he was going to say. I asked my buddy Jib, and I asked my friend Abby 
three people that I knew wouldn't sugarcoat things, but also that I knew they were putting Christ at the center of their lives because, like I said, that is what's important when you're seeking advice from somebody. And they all three told me that I was making the wrong decision. Not that they didn't trust me. Not that they didn't question my motives or question my character, but that I was not setting the proper example for those around me. You know, I can't stand up and be used by God to lead people, to influence people, to lead my family and my children, and then do something that may seem questionable. So regardless of what my intentions were, I was making a very bad decision. So I ended up taking my ADHD son, Ethan, (laughs) who had me in the swimming pool all day eating ice cream, and I missed pretty much every concert on the K-Love music cruise. He even annoyed all the artists as they was with their families in the pool and in the hot tub. Nowhere was safe from flying footballs that were just soaring across the deck. You know, the point is, if you don't listen to the advice of others, you are setting yourself up for failure. You are. I mean, you're never going to get anywhere if you think you've already arrived. The guy who gets too big for his britches will eventually be exposed in the end. Think about that one. You'll get that later. So we fail to plan and we fail to listen to other people. And as a result, we fail. Third reason people fail, we give up too soon. We give up too soon. Proverbs 24, verse 10 says, If you give up when trouble comes, it just shows that you are weak. You see, the problem is that often during trying times, we stop trying. We stop trying. I mean, if at first you don't succeed, welcome to the human race. You're normal. Very few people make it on the first try. Oftentimes we give up when success is just right around the corner. I mean, it's always too soon to quit. You're never a failure until you give up. And we often just give up too soon. Here's some world-class failures for you. There was a guy, a general. He lost two-thirds of all the battles he fought in the American Revolution. George Washington. There was another guy who graduated 42nd out of a class of 43, and it wasn't Chris Bunch. He was 43 out of a class of 43. This guy went on to conquer Europe, named Napoleon. There's a guy who lost almost every election he ran for, like 10 or 12 of them, until finally he was elected president, Abraham Lincoln. He lost more than he won You know, in 21 years, Babe Ruth, he hit 714 home runs, but he struck out 1,330 times. So he struck out nearly twice 
as often as he hit a home run. And he once said, never let the fear of striking out keep you from taking a swing. Man, that's some good advice right there. I mean, it's always too soon to quit. The Bible says we need to stop making excuses. We need to admit when it's our fault. We need to get on with life. You know, I've discovered that people who are very good at making excuses are rarely good at anything else. Because they spend all their energy thinking up reasons why they can't do what they're supposed to be doing. So the S in start stands for stop making excuses. On to the T. The T is take stock. Take stock. I need to take stock of my life. It means I need to evaluate my experiences. I need to look at what I have left after, after the failure that I've had. If I've had a financial failure, I need to take stock of what I have left. If I've had a relational failure, I need to take stock of what I have left. If I've had a moral failure, I need to ask myself, what is God still doing in my life? What is He doing right now? What are my options in this? What are my talents? What are my assets? You know, if you want to make a fresh start in 2013, you need to sit down, you need to do an evaluation in your life, and you need to take stock of your experiences. Because regardless of what happened last year, regardless of what happened in 2012, one of the things that you still have, in fact, one of the things you have today that you didn't have last year, is more experience. Galatians 3 verse 4 says you have experienced many things. Were all those experiences wasted? I hope not. You see, God uses different experiences in our lives. I mean, He uses personal experiences. The family that you grew up in. The people that you relate to. He uses personal experiences to shape your life. He uses vocational, educational experiences to shape you. He uses spiritual experiences like coming to church, like hearing a lesson, like going on a mission trip, uh, reading your Bible, hanging out with your small group. But the most important of all, He uses painful experiences in your life to shape you. Because when we give God control of our lives, He starts chipping away at us. He starts forming us to resemble Christ. And sometimes it's like really light swings. Or maybe He's sandpapering some rough edges. Kind of small shavings are coming off. But a lot of times it's the painful experiences that God takes the biggest swings in your life. Those are the times that shape us the most. And as you take stock of your life in starting over, you need to ask yourself, number one, what have I learned? You need to ask yourself, what have I learned? 
You see, I know people 40, 50 years of age, but they don't have 40 or 50 years of experience. They've had that same year of experience 10 times, 20 times over, because they've never learned anything. I mean, what did you learn from last year? If you don't actually sit down, and if you don't think it through, you're probably going to end up making the same mistake this year as you did last year because you didn't learn from it. Another thing to ask yourself, what are my assets? What are my assets? Meaning, what have I got going for me? Do I have my health? Do I have my friends? What have I got going for me? Have I got the Lord? Have I got people I can depend on? Have I got a church family that I can count on? The third thing to ask is who can help me? Who can help me? Because when you need a fresh start, then you need somebody by your side. You need a friend. You need somebody to hold you accountable. You need a support person. You need a support group. That's why small groups are so great in this church. You need other people because nobody starts over again by themselves. You've got to have somebody to walk beside you. You know, every time you take stock of your life, you got in your brain like a little database. It's like a computer system of every experience that you have ever had. It's all just stored right in there. And every time you hear or every time you see something, you evaluate that by your experiences. You kind of see if it squares up. Do I accept this or do I not accept this? And when you're making a fresh start, when you're taking stock of your life, you need to realize that some of your experiences, they have faults. It's faulty information. Lies. I mean, not everything you've seen, heard, and experienced is true. People ever tell you things that aren't true? Absolutely. And you store all that away. People ever said things about you that weren't true? And you store that away too. I mean, when we're young and very impressionable, we tend to accept what other people say about us as as truth. Well, they said it. It must be true. Somebody says, you're dumb. You start thinking, maybe I am dumb. Somebody says, you're never going to amount to much. And you think, you know, I'm probably really never going to amount to anything. You know, all it takes is that one coach in the third grade who says you're uncoordinated. And all of a sudden you're going through all these your school years believing that you're not capable of certain things because you're too uncoordinated. So impressionable young people allow other people to influence their decisions. I mean, you still may be being impacted by what someone said to you as a child. I mean, it wasn't true then, and it certainly isn't true now, but you're still acting like it is. Some of you are still impacted by an incident, maybe something an angry parent shot off the top of their head, but it's stuck in your mind and you stored it in there. 
You know, sometimes you need to challenge those experiences. You need to challenge what you think that you believe. You need to hold it up against the truth of God's Word and say, what does God say is true? Because that's what's important. What does God say about me? Not what do other people say about me, but what does God say about me? And you know, just because you've seen something doesn't make it true either. You've heard that phrase, I'll believe it when I see it. You can believe a lie. You ever seen that movie, Forrest Gump? If you watch that movie, you believe that he shook hands with Kennedy. Or that he taught Elvis how to dance. None of that was true. Just because you see something doesn't make it true. And just because you experience something doesn't make it true either. But you need to take stock of your experiences. The A is act in faith. The A in start is act in faith. This is the third step. The third step in getting a fresh start. You act in faith. I mean, you've got to launch out into new territory in this next year. The Bible says the key to changing anything is faith. I mean, if you want to change your circumstances, it takes faith. If you want to change your personality, it takes faith. If you want to change anything in your life, you have to have some faith. You have to. Jesus says this in Matthew 9, According to your faith, it will be done to you. According to your faith, it will be done to you. It's a simple little statement, but that's very powerful because it means that we tend to get out of life what we expect. So what are you expecting What are you expecting in 2013? Are you kind of like Eeyore? This is probably going to be a disappointing year. Then it is. Because we tend to get out of life whatever we expect. Because according to your faith, it will be done to you. You know, the person who says, I can, and the person who says, I can't, are both right. You need to start expecting more. Man, you need to start expecting more of yourself. You need to start expecting more of God. You need to start expecting more out of life because that's the principle of faith. And in order to start acting in faith, it means you've got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. The poor me, I'm a victim. Life is unfair. Of course life is unfair. Nobody ever said life was going to be fair. God never said it was going to be fair. This is a world that's filled with sin. And because of that, life is unfair. But we've got to go on with it. You stop rehearsing the past, stop regretting the past, and you get on with the present and you get on with the future because the more you regret of 2012 will be the more that you waste of 2013. 
The more time you spend thinking, man, I wish that wouldn't have happened. I wish I could change that. If only I could go back and if I could reverse the clock and if I could redo history. And you're rehearsing and you're regretting. And you're not only making yourself miserable right now, but you're setting yourself up for more of the same. Because the way you set yourself up for more failures is by focusing on past failures. Whatever you focus on, you tend to reproduce in your life. According to your faith, it will be done to you. What you need to do is you need to learn from those failures. I'm going to give you the secret of success. This is something that every successful person knows. Real success is built on failure. Real success is built on failure. You figure out what doesn't work. Everybody's always heard this before. When Edison figured out on the 200th or so time what would make a light bulb stay lit, he did it because he knew 199 ways that didn't work. So you never call it a failure in your life. Call it an education. Learn from it. Man, some of us in this room, we're highly educated people. We know lots of things that don't work in marriages. We know lots of ways that don't work in making a nice, profitable living. We know lots of things that don't work in raising kids. That's okay. We learn from it. Build on it. You know, you never or rarely ever get things right the first time. Does God want you to just waller in your past? Of course He doesn't. He wants you to get on with the future. That was the toughest part of my divorce when I went through it. You know, the divorce happened once, but I relived it over and over again in my mind. Proverbs 16, verse 9 said, We should make our plans counting on God to direct us. Have you made plans for 2013 yet? When are you going to get around to it? March? Some of you are still planning 2012. Heck, that one's over, or almost over. The door's closing on that one. Setting goals. Setting goals are a part of having faith. Man, you need to set some goals for 2013. You need to set some personal goals. You need to set some family goals. Don't worry if you don't reach all of them. That's not even the point. The point is you've got something that you can head towards so your life has direction. Because we spend more time planning activities or vacations than we do planning our own lives. And don't fear failure. Failure is not failing to reach your goal. None of us reach all of our goals. It's not going to happen. Failure is not setting a goal. That's failure. Fear of failing is actually worse than failing because at least when you fail, you've tried. You can get, you can get back up, dust yourself off, and start again. Try again. But the fear of failure, it keeps you in that personal little prison of what if? What if I would have done that? I wonder if I could have done that. I wonder how that would have 
worked out. How do you get rid of the fear of failure? It's faith. That's why this third step in starting over is to act in faith. Faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is moving ahead in spite of your fear. Faith is doing the things that you fear the most. Think of Moses. Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. There's mountains standing on both sides. The Red Sea directly in front of them. Pharaoh's armies coming up in hot pursuit. I mean, the only way that they will be saved is to somehow get through that Red Sea. That's it. And God said, I'm going to open it up. And you guys just walk right through it. Imagine being that poor guy that had to go first. And you know what? You are going to have some Red Sea problems in your life. You are. You're going to have some Red Sea problems in your life in this next year, in 2013. And you're going to say, let's go around it somehow. But God says, no, let's go through it. I'm going to take you through your problem. I'm not going to remove the problem. I'm going to take you through it. You need to act in faith and you need to keep walking. Act in faith and He will take you through your Red Sea. Where do you need to act in faith most in your life? Where do you need to take steps of faith? What is it in your life that you need that? You know, one of the things that always keeps us from acting in faith is that we always worry what other people think. We always worry what other people think. Are you always worrying what other people think? When you worry what other people think, you're not going to do what God wants you to do. You're not. You are going to do whatever is convenient to do. Mostly what everyone else is doing. Whatever, what, what everyone else wants you to do. You know, when I decided seven years ago that I was going to start attending church, never attended church, my family never attended church, I didn't grow up with church, absolutely nothing. I just heard a radio ad one time for the Jar Community Church, and for whatever reason, I decided I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to try it, I'm going to see what it is. And I'll never forget setting in here. It was on this side here because it was only half of a gym. The, the curtain was down on this side. I don't know how many people there was. Maybe 40 people. And, uh, and I remember listening to Chris teach. And he was talking something that day, my first day here. And I was like, oh my goodness. He's talking about me. He doesn't even know me. And I remember sitting there thinking, my life is getting ready to change. I don't, know, I don't understand this stuff. I don't understand this, what, anything about Jesus Christ, but I do know that my life is getting ready to change. So I kept coming. And let me tell you, this was not a popular decision with my friends. This was not a popular decision in my family. 
It wasn't a popular decision with my parents. I mean, I still remember my dad saying, you've got to watch them churches, boy. They're out to get your money. I just want you to be careful. I'm thinking, I ain't even got no money. I think I'm safe, old man. <laughs> but everybody was saying, you're crazy. You're dumb. This is foolish. This must be a phase. Don't be one of them Jesus freaks or Jesus crispies. And if I would have listened to what other people were saying, man, I would have missed the greatest adventure in my life. If I would have been worried about what everybody else was saying and listened to them. So you need to step out in faith. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, Being afraid of people can get you into trouble. Man, don't make that mistake this year. The R in start is refocus. The R is refocus. I need to refocus my thoughts if I want to change my life. I need to rethink the way that I think. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. So you need to change the way you think to change the way you act. Does that make sense? If you're acting in a depressed or discouraging way, it's because you're thinking depressed or discouraging thoughts. That's your choice. You don't have to think those thoughts. If you change your thoughts, it'll change your feelings, and that's going to change the way that you act. The Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How can you be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Psalm 1 says, Happy are those who are always meditating on God's Word. They are like trees along a river that do not dry up. They succeed in everything they do. Huh. Happy succeed. Happy and succeed. Ain't them the things that we're always searching for? Everybody's always chasing those two things. Happiness and success. That's what we always desire. We all want to be happy and we all want to succeed. The more you meditate on God's Word, the more happy and successful you'll be. It says it right there. It's a promise from God. You know, it's interesting that the Bible doesn't say if you read this book, you'll be happy and successful. And it doesn't say in the Bible, if you listen to this book, like through a sermon, that you'll be happy and successful. It says if you meditate on it. If you meditate on it, you'll be happy and successful. What does meditating mean? It means I think on it. Over and over again. I think about it. What does this mean that I'm reading? What does this mean in my life? That's meditating. I ponder it. I consider it. 
You know, you can sit and you can read your Bible for two hours every single day and not let anything sink in and not get anything out of it. But when you meditate on it, God says it produces happiness and success. So as you fill your mind with God's Word, it begins to change your mind. You begin to stop seeing yourself as other people see you. Or maybe that as you have seen yourself. And you begin to see yourself as God does. You see yourself the way that God sees you. Because that's where the change starts to take place. That is the power to start over. You know, if there's anything that I want you to understand, it's that regardless of whatever the failures that you've had in your life, whatever it is that you've done, regardless of the failures that you may have had just last year, there's hope. It's never too late to start over. Jesus Christ says that you matter to Him. And He can make the rest of your life turn out a whole lot differently. You've got to believe that. You know, one of my favorite verses... In the Bible's Jonah 3, verse 1. I hope you all know the story of Jonah. God told Jonah to go one direction and to do something, but he decided that he'd do the exact opposite of what God wanted for his life. So God took him on a little Mediterranean K-Love music cruise. And after that cruise, over in Jonah 3, verse 1, It says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah a second time. Man, I'm so glad for that verse. I am so glad for that right there. Aren't you glad that we serve the God of second chances? The God of grace who says, Come to me with your brokenness. Come to me with your failures that you've had in life. Come to me with all that shame that you're holding inside. Come to me with your guilt. Come to me with all the messed up things that you've done in your life. And I can turn them completely around. Because I love you and I've made you for a purpose. This brings us to the last step. The T. It's for trust. It's for trust. Trust God to help you succeed. Depend on Him. Don't depend on you. Some of us just don't get that. Some people stumble and they fall. Then they get up and say, man, I just need to try a little bit harder. It's like you go up to a wall and you just bang your head on it. The wall doesn't fall down. You try it again. You try it again. You keep thinking, you know, maybe it'll fall this time. That's the definition of insanity. Doing the same things over and over again and you're expecting different results. You don't get a fresh start by trying. 
you get a fresh start by trusting. By trusting. Zechariah 4 verse 6 says, You will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The secret to starting over, the secret to a fresh start, the secret of success is not by trying. It's by trusting. How would you just like to wipe the slate clean? I mean, just completely wipe it clean. Have you ever thought, you know, I'd just like to completely redesign my life from the ground up and just start again? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. God specializes in new beginnings. Chances to start over, fresh starts. You know, sometimes we look at our lives. We look at our situations. And man, we just feel like... We feel like one big minus. We get caught up in all the things that we've done, all the things that we've messed up in, all of our failures, all of our shame, and our lives feel like this. It feels like a big negative. You look in the mirror and you see a big negative. How does God turn a negative into a positive? He takes all these minuses in our lives and He turns them into a positive and making a cross. Jesus Christ was hung for your hang-ups. He was crucified on the cross for everything that you feel bad about. For everything that you continue to hold on to. For everything that continues to keep you from being able to take another step. From being able to move forward. From being able to make a fresh start. This right here took care of all that. It wiped it clean. It's done. You say, but I've wasted so many years. I taught you last month what the Bible says in Joel. I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. In Isaiah it says, I will give you beauty for ashes. Friends, right here is how you make a fresh start in 2013. Let's stand for closing prayer. Let's pray. Dear God, as we begin this new year, We just ask for a fresh start. God, today we want to act in faith. We open up our lives to you. Regardless of the things that we've done, regardless of our past, 
regardless of our shame, regardless of our guilt, regardless of what other people say about us, regardless of what we think. God, we just ask that you shape us. You use these experiences to shape us and to, and to use us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.